This is Writer Jump, a show where we can and will discuss everything tangentially related to Common Writer and Tokusatsu. I'm your host, Amit, and Cannibal Saracenian is here. Uh, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Hi. This is what I sound like. Hello. <laughs> uh, and he's uh, showed up this week to discuss the symbolism in Common Writer and the divide between Japanese and Western heroes. But first, we'll let you get to know our fine guest. Uh, let's see. So let's go ahead and jump into our first question. Uh, what got you started watching Tokusatsu? Well, I guess much like many kid Chinese kids my age, uh, I probably started from watching Ultraman because back in the day, Ultraman was the was a huge thing over the, or in China, mainland China that is, and uh, you know you got all the original ones the i think from the i think from the 66 version to up to tiga or gaia were basically all dubbed in chinese so i i was the lucky kid who got to watch some of them mainly ace and tiga i think were were the ones that re kind of introduced me to the toku genre of course there was power rangers uh, here and there, sprinkled, though I never watched the TV shows all that much, except the movies. I only watched the movies with the, uh, with the Power Rangers. Okay, how, how did you like those? Uh, like, completely out of context of the shows, almost. Uh, I don't, re- I don't remember much of them. They were, I don't think they were, I don't think they were any good. I th- I'd say <laughs> I think even as a kid it was like yeah sure it happened I don't know maybe maybe right. it's because I was kind of getting past the age when Power Rangers was cool by then so I don't know okay um do you have a favorite uh, writer or Ultraman that you'd like to uh, talk well, about for a minute favorite Ultraman well it's gotta be Tiga that's how I grew up with and Ace uh, Ace is my favorite from the show sort of show era. And from Common Rider, it has to be uh, the original V3 Black, and then there's the and then there's Amazon, uh, and from the Heisei we got Kuga, Akito, and Hibiki. I and Oz is pretty good too. I have some sympathies with Wizard, also. <laughs> right. Um, do you have a favorite tension pose? Well. Uh, there's well Z crosses pose the original and Super Ones right. yeah and that's about it. Okay. Uh, have you made up a common writer of your own, and if so, what's it like? Well, yeah, I've made some, and uh, yeah, yeah, the one what I made basically as kind of this sort of fan thing where in in common writer spirits that comic. There's a character called Yoshitsune, who is basically like Kazuya Oki's, aka Super One's, like uh, this sort of. I think brought <laughs> right his sidekick. Maybe? No, not really. It's actually like, uh, like Kazuya Oki was part, like grew up in this 
Shaolin cemetery, this Shaolin monastery, right? And he had this friend. Okay. Uh, this friend called Bengay, and Bengay in the comic had a sis, had a big sister called Yoshitsune, who was also like grew up in the monastery and basically was also a martial artist. Actually, one of the uh, one probably the probably one of the strongest like civilians in the comic because. You know, she she took down like she took down like kaijins, like not just like the regular foot soldiers, but like kaijins with bare hands. So she was pre- wow. she was actually pretty badass, and she was a cool character as well. So I was kind of great, kind of thinking up what kind of okay, what would it be like if this character was like a common writer? So I kind of thought of this sort of uh, sort of this Buddhist common writer, like a Buddhist wrathful deity, sort of. Like a bodhisattva, but like a bodhisattva, or something like something like had a motif as that, and kind of following the idea of like uh, this idea of the common rider being basically this sort of monster, monster raging across the heavens, fighting, doing fighting the evil and all that sort of good stuff. So I kind of imagined this this sort of this sort of common rider that basically followed the very Eastern mythology, you know, of these wrathful deities, these, uh, you know, like Kali and, you know, Shiva's many, many destroyer forms and all that. Right, very cool. Between Showa Heisei and post-decade, because I, I think they're all pretty distinct, though, which you prefer? Uh, well, I kind of always, on many things, I kind of always in, be, been inclined with the old school. Like, you know, I prefer watching old movies. I prefer, you know, older, I just prefer older stuff in general, so I suppose uh, I do like Showa the most out of all the uh, eras of Kamen Rider. Okay, fair enough. Um, Let's see. Uh, What keeps you coming back? What keeps me coming back, I, well, for one thing, this is basically, well, my new obsessions. My, among my newest obsessions, because when I because I have this sort of thing when when I have an obsession, I will go like hundred percent full force. Like before, it was Doctor Who, and even before that, it was video games, Nintendo video games. So now it's Common Rider, basically. And well, and well, it's probably not gonna stop anytime soon. And well, uh, and obviously, I like special effects. I like superheroes. And I I like the sort of style Common Rider just has in, in general, really. Okay, cool. Um, I think we uh, messaged back and forth privately, and you've only seen up to I think the fourth episode of Drive. Uh, have you seen any more? And how are you feeling about well, it so far? I, yeah, I've only seen the four epi- first four episodes. It's kind of on the middle ground to me. It's not really impressing me in any particular way, but there. There's nothing really that offends me either that I that I would have kind of thought because you know after Gaim I was very disappointed in Gaim so there was and plus I really don't like the 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 producer writer duo that we have this year so but Drive overall you know so far anyways it's it's not that bad. You know, I I'm still not that sympathetic towards you know cars or the little small toy cars for that matter. But 
is not offending me. We got hand-to-hand fighting back, and that's been a while. Like, wow, Kamen Rider having hand-to-hand fighting. Like, who would have thought that would be the rarity now? <laughs> yeah, that is kind of strange. I guess Wizard and uh, and Gaim both took uh, to weapons more than yeah, anything they, else. They kind of should just stop with the weapons from now on because... You know, honestly, like I like even people who didn't like Wizard kind of basically agreed on one thing, which is that the fight scenes were excellent, and they were they were really good, and the sword fighting especially is some of the best Rider has had. And you know, after that, it's like unless you can find a way to you know pop Wizards, you know, sword fighting, I think you should just not bother anymore because you know we. You know, we saw Gaim's attempt, and uh, Gaim, yeah, sure, he swings that sword, all right. Yay. Uh, Just a detour before we get into the main topic. Was there any of the uh, fight choreography with which you were impressed in Gaim? No. I think even Gaim fans kind of admitted that it doesn't have much in terms of action. Like, at all. Like, okay, there was that one cool thing with the, you know, the arrow, the bows, the energy bows, you know, between Malika and Gaim for a brief moment, but that was basically it. Nothing in Gaim especially really was impressive. Okay, very good. Well, now people know where you stand on Gaim for sure, if they didn't already. Um, uh, So... Are are you ready to uh, go into this main topic? Yeah, sure. Okay, so once again, just if you forgot uh, from the beginning of the show, it's uh, Kamen Rider as a symbol and why many people prefer Japanese superheroes over their Western counterparts. That's what um, Sarasenian's going to be, uh, what would you say, lecturing on, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah if, if you don't know me and haven't followed my blog, I'm this, uh, I prefer to basically make large seminars about these kind of stuff, so... You know, I'm gonna kind of start narrating for a bit and hope you won't get too bored. I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy my coffee, so go ahead. Yeah, about Western superheroes. Well, even why pe- why I think people generally start to tip in favor in Japanese superheroes. Well, uh, well, if we, we want to be frank, one thing is, well, the cultural difference, I suppose, the exoticism, you know. You know, it's harsh, but it's hard to argue that people are, because, you know, people are into things that are different. You know, they, it's, you know, when we have seen all these Supermans and Batmans and all that, we, you know, common writer, this sort of, this weird karate bugman seems pretty interesting. You know, wow, Asian stuff. But, ah, no, no, I'm, but I have kid, but, no, the, the, but seriously, though, the, the one thing I think that Japanese superheroes have is basically its relative simplicity and its straightforwardness because, you know, people at the end of the day always have the innate desire for simplicity. You know, they have, they, they want things that are simple, you know, simple drawing, simple, you know, things that are easy to get into and not to have too much of a puzzle. But this is not really a flaw. This is just, human nature, basically. 
uh, it can either be good or bad. Bad being the you know the sort of monkey sphere problem, the us versus them mentality when it starts showing up in like you know in treatment of others and all that. How you see the world, then it becomes you know the simplicity cannot be too much. It can become a problem, and of course it can manifest in good. Basically, like you know ba- the basic sense of morality. You know some things are just. Bad and some things are some things are good, you know. You know, it's sometimes some things are just that simple. Like even a kid can recognize that you know, bullying is wrong. It's yeah, it's you know, it's honesty, really, emotional honesty to yourself and others. Uh, kind, it's kind of like that, you know, that straightforwardness. Being straightforward, being simple about yourself and the others, it's honesty and and you know emotional honesty is after all a vital building block to one's emotional health and maturity, psychologically speaking. And this kind of tie and this ties into Western superheroes too, in that you know you know Japanese superheroes, you know they are simple, they don't really play too much on the moralities. They don't really have the equivalent of like Watchmen or, you know, uh, or you know, like uh, what was that comic called? Uh, Superman versus the Elite. They don't really go, you know, too complicated with the moral stuff. Like often, well, okay, they do get into some pretty, you know, dark and you know, interesting issues. Like you know, they do deal with family loss and all. But it never really loses it, where it becomes kind of just, I guess, self-obsessive is what I'm thinking. Like, Western superheroes, it has kind of become, it has, because of its, how complicated, it's basically because of its complication or because of its self-obsession, it's, you know, it's it's basically become this sort of, Ouroboros, you know, they they kind of eating its own tail. It's become so complicated and so obsessive, you know, kind of this very, you know, if I want to be kind of harsh, very American style of self-obsession, you know. Right. And, and, and um, you're speaking specifically just to frame things. Like, you're, uh, I don't know yet, but I, I'll ask you here. You follow uh, American comics fairly well yeah, yeah, or fairly I, closely? I follow them fairly closely. I do still like uh, American comic books. Like, I, and you know, I do like the morally complicated stuff and all that. I do like complicated stuff, but when it's too much, it's simply too much, and you know, it kind of has become like this, or it has kind of become the, the, the other problem which about Western comic books is that while it's co- it's complicated, it's self-obsessively so, but it's always, like, static. I think that's the one thing. It's that, like, the... (laughs) Right. Like... Are you familiar with... uh, I keep thinking of hearing you uh, of the term navel-gazing. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. It's basically navel-gazing is what it is. It's, you know, and, you know, it's it even manifests in some of the heroes, and, you know, it's just like Batman will always be brooding, Peter Parker will always have to have some sort of reason to weep in guilt. It's they would just sit there and just kind of gaze at their navels and not really do much. 
sure there's been exceptions, especially nowadays with you know Marvel superheroes. They kind of getting the sort of that people that you know that sort of navel gazing yeah, is kind of getting tiresome. So you know there are so there are exceptions, but more or less I think it's the part where Japanese superheroes have kind of realized that superheroes uh, they don't you know there is room for navel gazing. Navel gazing is perfectly fine you know you can't you know subversions are a good thing for a genre but you when there's too much that again when there's too much there's just simply too much and com- like common writer and many superhero japanese superheroes i just don't do that as much and now in the, now now that i bring bring up peter parker this is actually uh one comparison that i can make this this really good a comparison I can make, which is the comparison between Japanese Spider Man and the American Spider Man. Oh, sure, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, like uh, people who know about Japanese Spider Man, kind of. I, I, I'm, I'm Yeah, people who know about Japanese Spider Man either really love it or just kind of find it as kind of silly, and. The people who love it, well, they love it because, you know, it's simple. It's just like basic. It's basic. It's straightforward. It's just like Spider-Man. He's cool. He's awesome. He doesn't like angst a lot like American does. Doesn't like do the one more day shtick or whatever. But but <laughs> but the other thing I think is uh, this one Tumblr user uh, said. I think it's really good. And really frames the sort of the key difference between Japanese superheroes and American superheroes uh, is that Japanese Spider-Man he's the hero who weeps for others who doesn't just fight his enemies who doesn't just fight his enemies for his own personal vendetta although it does kind of weird kind of slip towards it it's mostly that he still fight he mainly fights. For others, for their dreams, for their achievements, and for and you know he's a hero. You know he puts himself before others. It's that basic idea of a superhero. They really emphasize and Japanese Spider-Man especially emphasizes just that aspect. Like like there are these horrible things happening to others, and he tries his best to uh, comfort them. He tries his best to protect them, and. You know, he tries his best to fight these great, these great big tough enemies that threatens their lives. It's that's it's that simple, you know, superhero deal that I think really does form, really does, you know, make a difference here. And and, and is that distinction against, uh, you know, Peter Parker's acting out of guilt as opposed to acting? Um, for the protection of others. Well, am I being clear on that? I just. Uh, what do you mean? Well, I, I'm not quite sure. I follow. I, I, I'm trying to see the the difference, like where the where the divide is between Japanese Spider-Man and, and Peter Parker. Oh. Um, you're saying that Japanese Spider-Man, you know, he he, you know, fights for these people against yes, you know, these evil forces, but. To protect, like, is it more he's actively protecting them, whereas, like, Peter Parker's acting out of guilt for what he had well, done in the past? He's trying to atone for himself, whereas is Japanese yeah, Spider-Man 
different in that he just wants to save people because he yeah, can? Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of it, really. Well, there's always been an aspect of Spider-Man that he is basically acting. He is kind of acting out of guilt, like Uncle Ben's death was a result of guilt. Now, of course, there's many interpretations from out of on this, but ostensibly Sp- Japanese Spider-Man is a little more, you know, unambiguous about it. Like, sh- like there is the revenge aspect, obviously. Although then I'll have to get into re- the subject of revenge in superheroes, and but that's an I'll get to it later. But basically, yeah. And but the key difference, obviously, is the fact that you know. I think this is where, like, Hiroshi Fujioka once described the difference between Showa Rider and Heisei Rider as that Showa Riders fight for society and the Heisei Rider fight for in- fights for the individuals. Not exactly, like, in the literal sense, it's not exactly true, and I'll get to that also later, but I think what he meant by ostensibly is that Showa writers and base and also Japanese Spider-Man they uh they you know they do have these sort of problems but they deal with it they deal with it and they they deal with it because you know there's bigger problems like outside of them like there's these just these horrible things happening all over the place and they just you know they shouldn't just worry about themselves. They shouldn't just dwell on their own problems, but also, you know, help others, because they too are going to, um, they too are going to suffer the same fate as they are if they don't do anything about it. And whereas Heisei writers, the individual part is basically the fact that individual writers tend to more get into the fa- tend to more get into their own problems as opposed to Showa writers did. Well, Showa writers did have at times, like in V3 or X, dwell into their problems. Heisei writers does it mm, quite a lot more, but make quite a lot more often. Okay, yeah, I, I yeah. understand completely what you're saying. And there. that is, and you know, I that's not a knock against. I'm not meant to knock against the Heisei writers because uh, the sort of because they because you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure because I'm saying this because I haven't seen too much of Heisei Riders, honestly, but, you know, the thing about, I think the thing also that puts them kind of above this sort of, you know, eternally brooding Batman or Peter Parker, you know, and One More Day thing, and is that, you know, they have individual problems, but because, you know, they have an ending for their stories, they have, they have, and, you know, like Kamen Rider Wizard, you know, People don't like, you know, people don't like Wizard, but whatever, it's not a problem. But, you know, it handles the, you know, its protagonist, it handles Haruto's story, you know, of guilt and lack of self-esteem in pretty much, in pretty, you know, much more thoughtful way than many similar Western heroes have. And given a conclusion, like, at the end of Wizard, you know, Haruto is chained has gone from point A to point B, and he has become, you know, content with himself, and he has become, you know, he's, you know, he's lifted, he's lifted himself while he has lifted the lives of others. And similar thing has also happened in, like, you know, you know, Eiji. Eiji is, you know, also dealt with guilt and a lot, and, you know, a lot of that, and also by the end has recovered it, and 
you know. That's the also the you know the main thing that Common Rider a lot of their stories do have an end to it, and they do you know deal with this their stories of guilt and lack this sort of lack of self esteem, like much of you know Spider Man the Peter Parker style sort of guilt and lack of self esteem much I think just in general much better than Spider Man basically ha- has in the last what decades or so. So I want to ask you, uh, with things like the Common Rider Wars movie that I want to talk to you, with you about later, not not today. There's a lot to get into that we don't have time for. Um, do you feel like showing the continuing story of uh, Jin Keisuke there and like some of the other show writers cheapens that a little bit, or or let me put it this way, um, like when the writers came back in stronger, did that? <laughs> mar any of the finality uh, of their stories or in your opinion or was it more like them just making a guest appearance and therefore didn't take away from any of that well well basically the latter really it's not like they had some it's not like in those guest appearances they just have you know new problems to deal with like Stronger didn't suddenly become an alcoholic or something they you know they still you know they you know they just returned basically as the sort of person that, you know, their own shows left them. They didn't really, you know, suddenly gain new problems. They, you know, basically came back as the superheroes we remembered them. So I don't think it really cheapens it at all. Plus, it's, you know, it's always fun to see, you know, the old actors coming back. And, you know, especially in the case of Gene Keisuke in the Kamen Rider Wars movie, it, you know, he, you know, he... He had, you know, he shared his own life experiences and his own wisdom with, G- with, you know, with Inui Takumi. So, you know, so, you know, it enhances the story of the, of Fies as well as, well as kind of his own, like even an epilogue to, uh, Kamen Rider X. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, that was also good. Um, did you want to, well, why don't you go ahead and keep going? Yeah, 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 so, you know, so, yeah, basically, you know, there, I guess there just is more of this childlike honesty with, with Japanese superheroes as what it wants to do and what, you know, it's, you know, and, uh, child, and being childlike in basic psychology is pretty important, actually is pretty important because in that it actually you know, it actually, it had, you know, it means having, you know, still having that idealism and hopes and dreams, you know, the sort of things that lifts the spirit. And, you know, that is also very important in everyday life, in being a healthy adult, is to still have that little bit of sparkle of your, of your childhood in your eyes. And I think Kamen Rider and Japanese superheroes and they basically ha- are, have always been kind of like that. They always kind of do remember that they are, at the end of the day, supposed to be, you know, uplifting stories, more or less. And they are supposed to be like, you know, they're supposed to be fan. They are fantasy, you know. It's basic. It's basic fantasy, and and they don't they don't forget that. They don't get into themselves too much, although well, there are sometimes maybe and there are exceptions of course, but in general, as far as I have seen, 
yeah, they they basically remember that they are superheroes. You know, they are heroes. They remember right. that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Even in a case, um, have you seen uh, all of Kiva? I haven't yet. I've seen okay. the first episode. Yeah, um, I I think I've heard complaints about Kiva that at the end it stops being um, superhero-y, but I disagree because some stuff going on with uh, Wataru. I, w- I won't go into it, um, but I think it's... I think it still fits the mold of remembering that it's a superhero story and, and being uplifting even while dealing with, you know, personal angst and, and issues. Mm. Yes. Um, so, uh, I guess what what do you have next to say? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to hear more. And, and well, do you want to, um, to share some of your... You, you keep referencing psychology. Uh, do you want to share some of your background on that? Well, I honestly don't have too much of a background to explain. I just took some courses on high psychology and read up some concepts. And, you know, while I was doing that, read up the, you know, the, how what it means to be a healthy, emotionally mature adult. And, you know, I just kind of thought about that and thought, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, being sometimes, being, having dreams and hopes and, Having idealism is, you know, a good thing. So, yeah, but... Yeah, uh, but as I... Yeah, where was I? Yeah, about... Yeah, about that superheroism, that's also the other thing that I'm now going to get into, which is that, you know, common Rider, what common Rider is and what it is as a symbol. And... Uh, I think I want to address one thing about Western superheroes first that some scholars particularly tend to kind of talk about with them is that they always tend to be, you know, fascists. That's the criticism that often you hear about Western superheroes is their fascism because when you think about it, just in like classical literatures, a lot of heroes are basically these shining knights in armor. Your Sir Lancelot and you know whatnot, Her- Heracles. These you know these powerful, basically authority figures who fight these villains who are you know basically subversives, like you know witches, you know Morgan Fay and all that. There. You know, King Arthur was the royalty, he was the good king, while Morgan Le Fay was the bad, evil witch who, you know, subverted the holy status quo and all that stuff. So, and superheroes kind of do at times kind of continue that, you know, not even getting into the deeper stuff, like why don't they stop, like, war crimes, state, you know, war crimes performed by the state and all that, just like a lot of their villains do tend to be, you know, pretty much like subversives like mad scientists insane people like the joker like the kind of guys who just spread anarchy and chaos and burg or burglars or like thieves they they kind tend to kind of always stay on ground level but i think the thing about common rider is that which kind of awards this sort of this sort of fascism deal i i'm sure someone will argue but argue against me on this, but I think the difference between, like, the sort of superheroes that the West has and Kamen Rider is that Kamen Rider has, since the beginning, always had the idea that he was going to be a 
victim of circumstance, and he was always going to fight these villains who are far bigger than he is, like these impossible odds. So it's not just like super. So it's not the equivalent of Batman just stopping burglars or you know like stopping like criminals or the Joker or Scarecrow or whatever. It's it's basically fighting these huge, overwhelming authority figures, essentially, really. Uh, because, you know, when you think about it, I've talked about this before, but, you know, Shocker and uh, God or all that, you know, in the show era, they were essentially, like, symbols and metaphors for corrupt authority. And, you know, they were, and that, they, those authorities were the ones that basically ruins people's lives. They ruined, you know, they, they ruined the writer's lives by turning him in, by forcing him into this role. The writer is a victim of circumstance. He isn't like a knight in shining armor. He isn't the good king or, you know, the chosen one in Monomyth or anything that. He's just like, he's basically the victim. He's basically mutilated and just mutated by this sort of horrible of this horrible power this oppression and you know and you know when you like take like you look at like you look at Ishinomori's other works like Cyborg 009 which you know has has no has influence common writer as a whole you know the whole idea of cyborgs fighting against this large world controlling this sort of super or this sort of big super weapon creating organization black ghost it's basically like this it's made up of politicians and merchants these huge businessmen in suits that's what black ghost is and shocker especially in the manga in the comic which uh which makes it clear that you know shocker is basically a result of the world that has basically gone really corrupt society. This shocker can only exist because society has kind of evolved to the state that allows something as bad as shocker to, you know, to be born. And, you know, and it's not just like in the comics also. It it does bleed into the TV shows and... uh I'm going to get into, like, the relation between comics and uh, TV shows and basically writer canon later, but, you know, you you look at God, you know, from Common Rider X. <laughs> yeah, for clarity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look at God for Common Rider X, you know, and, they, you know, their operatives, you know, they use, you know, they are mutants, they are monst- cyborg monsters, they use these secret recorded messages to communicate you know, tapes and whatnot, and they got, you know, they clearly got branches, and they even got middle management, Apollo Geist, you know, he's the guy who make you, you know, who keeps the machine running smooth and operational, he, you know, even the henchmen, you know, you look at, you look at some of the concept photos and pre-production stuff that Comrade X had, they were basic. They were basically men in black. They had the black suits. They were wearing concealing masks and hats. But they they look like you know our image of the sort of the MIP, the the people who keep secrets. Who you know they look like spies. They look like you know government operatives. And 
that's what God is. It's called government of darkness. It, it's short, it is an acronym for government of darkness. It is heavily trenched in the imagery of these secret, of government agencies and secret police. And, you know, you look at, you know, hell, even you look in it just, and, you know, you look at Destron or Black Satan or Gorgon. They are evil religious systems that has become the, you know, the oppressive power. And, you know, they're, and, or hell, even something more obscure, like Emperor Zero, like from Amazon. You, you look at Emperor Zero, like, you don't really think that much, like, you know, he's just a guy in plate armor, but, then you look closely and realize that this is a guy in very late medieval European armor, fight, you know, pl European plate armor, fighting a superhero raised and induced by the powers of the Incas. Like, he was raised by the descendants of the Incan tribe, yes, in by the Incans, and he had, he was given the powers of the Incans to fight the menaces around the world. And the Emperor Zero uses monsters he took from another, from another villain, uh, from Gorgos, uh, who I'm not sure what he was supposed to be. I think the, sh I think it was suggest, I think it's implied that he is also a South American demon hmm. lord, but so that he comes from the same origin as Amazon does. So Emperor Zero took these monsters. From him after Emperor um, after Gorgos died, so so then it kind of becomes clear that what I'm getting into is that Emperor Zero he's not really just an emperor, he's a conquistador, he's a Spanish you know he's a Spanish conqueror from back in the colonization eras of the Europe when America was first discovered, and that's what Emperor Zero is wearing the period accurate armor and. He took control of monsters that weren't his to do his bidding. That's that's that he's a Spanish conquistador. Amazon this whole time was fighting basically the symbolic figurehead of European colonization and imperialism. You know, and then you know, and Amazon just got down and slaughtered this guy like slot like cut his limbs off, <laughs> cut his head off, decapitation. Like it's it's inglorious bastards, but decades ahead of its time. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great indeed. Yeah, and you know, and you know, I you know, but yeah, that's basically it, isn't it? Because you know, a lot of the villains Kamen Rider fight, they are not you know just some insane person. They aren't just like the Jokers or you know, or even Lex Luthor's or you know all that. It's no, not the Green Goblin either. It's just, it's basically an organization that they're fighting. And, you know, it's not even like, you know, like G.I. Joe, where the heroes are this military force. No, they're just this one guy fighting against this absolutely horrible, like, oppressive authority, this power. And, you know, uh, and you know, and this is where I have to clarify, have to argue about one thing because I've gotten this before, which is which is that you know, and I have no doubt people were gonna argue about this is that he is that you know what isn't TV isn't canonical, and some parts, some specific parts of the TV show, like in the original, what you know, if Common Rider was out authority, why did he why did he 
know why was he with the police at one time or something. But, you know, that's where I have to point out, you know, basically that what isn't on TV, it's not canonical. Well, you see, you know, that's where you kind, that's where people kind of, if they argue like that, that's where they kind of just occur the sort of canon that is only understood through the lens of this sort of Star Wars-esque G-canon, C-canon, this comic booky, hogwash, diegetic continuity. <laughs> it's, and, you know, that's, I cannot for the life of me tell. I, I, I really don't like that personally, and I don't think many people do either. The sort of diegetic continuity where everything has to have, you know, sort, quote unquote, rational sense. And really, you know, Canon in its original, you know, literary for you know literary ideas, you know, literary ideas like Shakespearean canon or you know mythological, you know, Greek canon, mythological canon. You no, know, canon is not really some kind of straight line continuity where this thing has to happen at this point and this person has to meet this guy and something like that. No, it's it's the ideas and the concepts that forms its identity, its ethos. It's not a logbook, but more of a menu. That's what canon, I think, is and should be acknowledged as. And not this, you know, whatever DC or Marvel has. And, you know, and, you know that's why, it's, you know, the comics and the various other ideas outside the TV show contri- contributing to common writer you know, canon are important as, you know, it fills the space between spaces. And one has to remember that a kid reading a comic can fill in the blanks and see the larger context, you know, as the sum of its whole. They don't really, con- they, I don't think they, at least I didn't consider like things like DC style continuity stuff, you know, Com- and especially given how Common Rider is not at all built to be ripe for any sort of, you know, that sort of, that sort of one linear line continuity that has to, you know, one thing has to be connected to the other and the, and, you know, everything has to make, you know, some sort of materialistic rational sense. It's not what Common Rider is. It's, you know, Common Rider, it is a fantasy. It is a story. And, you know, fiction, you don't really need to put such strict rules on fiction. And, you know, you know, and I think that is why we, it is important to consider what, uh, you know, these comics brought to the idea, which is the idea that Shocker is born from, you know, based, born from this sort of governmental corruption and social corruption and all that. And it reflects the anxieties of the time and you know it's important to realize that i think that you know shocker isn't just some weird nazi thing although even nazis kind of do kind of reflect in historically reflect some of the ideas that you know in the comic has but you know but that's getting a little that's getting into his that's getting into another thing but you know some would argue that this that you can't just pick and choose canon. Well, people do that already, don't they? <laughs> yeah, right. it's about the the consistency of the messages that comes from the work, not necessarily all the details. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, you don't, and you know, and you know, if you have to go with the route that whatever it is in TV is can can canonical and whatever you know, comics, you know, by by the say by the guy who made common writer somehow isn't, then you know, the alternative, then that also means that we have to also acknowledge, you know, Jacker and Kikaider and all their combined luggage. Being part of the unquote unquote common rider universe, you know, you remember that go you know that Go Ranger and versus Jacker special, which <laughs> basically confirmed that Jacker and Kikider. Yeah, I'm bet no one's gonna be up for that. Yeah, so you know, just basically what I'm saying is, don't worry about <laughs> canon common rider doesn't either. You know, canon as in the sort of Star Wars DC universe comic book. Blah blah blah, hogwash thing, continuity, one linear. Right, right. Now, now your references to the uh, the comics. Does that mean you have access to uh, the comics? Because I know there's like well, yeah, and, and stronger, and maybe is there a, a manga for every writer series? Uh, Showa. Yeah, yeah, there has. Yeah, of course, there has been a manga for every common writer. There has been manga for every common writer, not necessarily all written by the. By the author, not written, not written by the by Ishinomori. It's written by someone else, uh, drawn by someone else. But you know, the original and Black, most notably, are by Ishinomori. And you know, I think they are pretty important to consider when you want to consider what common writer is and what their villains are as a whole. Because you know, it's straight from it's straight from the author. So it's straight from the author. So. You know, you have to put that in consideration at least at some at some point, somewhat. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the uh, the good thing is for some people who might not know, and I, I update frequently, or I update whenever I can about this. Um, Midnight Crew Subs is done with the Comrade Black manga. It uh, it finished like a month or yeah, two yeah. ago, right? Yeah, I okay. read it. Yeah, I'm I almost it. at the end. It's <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna say it's. It's it's really grim, man. That ending, man. that ending, and hilariously enough, it it kind of ostensibly isn't too far from how Black the TV show ends. It's just not. I mean, okay, sure, detail. Sure, the ostensibly the context and details are different, but the sort of central idea, core idea, is the same as the. As the TV shows, like the manga's ending, which is that uh, you don't—I probably shouldn't spoil this too much. Although, <laughs> I think if you if you watched *Kamen Rider Black* the TV show, you can kind of imagine how the manga ends. It's actually quite similar in some ways. Great, so I'll be sad again. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, that's exact. Yeah, it, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's yeah the details. Are different, are completely different, but the same. But you'll get the same reaction, and it tells the same core idea that what happens to this hero is the same as does in the. Well, one one key difference, of course, between what happens in the TV show and to the hero. But uh, whatever, not to digress from from what I was saying. So, you know. So yeah, it, so yeah, basically. You know, common writer. You know, is you know, common writer. It's kind of I. I'd say it's kind of like how 
how Doctor Who is. Uh, do any do you watch Doctor Who? I do not. I know Jonathan does, All right, so. but I'm not sure about anybody else. Uh, and of course, he's not here, so okay. <laughs> it doesn't help. Okay. So, but but yeah, yeah. In some ways, I think Common Rider is not as comparable to Batman as it is more comparable to Doctor Who in a lot of ways, actually. Like, you know, like Doctor Who, uh, it is a story of a rebel fighting against almost impossible odds and you know it's and all often those impossible odds are in the guise of authority figures or some kind of you know some kind of thing that goes like some kind of thing that threatens to oppress you oppress the oppress the, the oppress the individuals and you know and doctor who reinvents itself in accordance to its time period also and and the obviously like Doctor Who, Common Rider has you know two distinct periods: the classic series and the new series. Which classic is often you know even the sort of same you know some same misconceptions in that some people kind of think that Doctor Who classic series is kind of the same continuously singular entity in style and substance when it really isn't because Doctor Who kind of. You know, even even with the same doctor, it really the stories and the style really differs from season to season. Common Showa Common Rider, the same thing. People kind of think that Showa writers are, you know, kind of all in this sort of same unified continuity, the sort of same unified idea. When it's really not. Like you know, Common Rider One is quite different from V3 and V3 is different from X and X is completely different from Amazon and stronger and you know Zekros is nothing like those, nothing like the previous ones neither Skyrider and Black you know Black I'd say is more closer to what the first one did but basically made it into a modern period of time made it 80s so you know there's also diff- there's differences there's actually a lot of differences between each, you know, each each season, each show, just like how Doctor Who has, and you know, the same also. Then then there been between the classic series and the new series, there was this, you know, there were the show survived basically through spin-offs and movies. Although Common Rider, not as many interesting spin-offs from from what I gather as Doctor Who did. Although Common Rider did have through did have three much better movies that kind of summarize what Kamen Rider was than Doctor Who's television movie, which, aside from few high points, wasn't that good. And, and of course, the new series, you know, rejuvenated the franchise by radically modernizing it for the 21st century in a way that's not, not really something that's seen before. You know, it's rare, you know, it's the format, you know, the Writing styles change, the uh, the how they make episodes have changed, and all that. You know, same thing has happened with Heisei Common Rider, and now that we get into Heisei Common Rider, I also want to. Uh, there's also some things that I do want to mention about uh, Heisei, particularly the Akuga and Agito. And the thing about is that you know people can you know. People agree generally that Kuga is, you know, the most showa of the common writers in terms of style, in terms of, you know, 
it's some of its characters and some of its, you know, the gruesome, the nature of it. And, you know, I do agree, but it's, it's pretty funny because un- fundamentally, like even just, like even concept, conceptually, it was meant to be, you know, against a lot of the principles that, you know, the originals had. And, you know, the obvious one, uh, being that, you know, obvious one being that, uh, addition of police and civil authority, putting them in a much, you know, much bigger focus, much uh, sympathetic focus also. Whereas, com- and, whereas common Rider, you know, you know, you had the talkies and all that, but generally police were pretty much invincible, invisible. Like they didn't, they couldn't do, they didn't do anything substantial. And when you add the, when you add into consideration that, you know, that's that you know that uh, that shocker is part is born from social corruption and all that. It's not then it's not really hard to then detect that the reason police aren't visible in Showa Rider is because the police actually are you know that useless. They are basically like just you know cor- they are probably you know probably all probably corrupted probably completely unhelpful in this point so you know so in so in Kuga they changed that they changed it so that you know one so you know several of the characters are part of the civil authority and you know and it also removes the villains thus from imagery of any recognizable authority like Grongi they aren't you know you know they are tribal they are these sort of weird monster guys, but they aren't, like, recognizably, you know, you cannot say that they are, like, Spanish conquistadors or shadow governments or evil cults, as much as you can say of some of the many other uh, Showa villains. The other obvious part, although that people don't really, I don't think people really talk about that, Kuga was basically, you know, kind of about a story where the resurrection of Kamen Rider was a bad thing. You know, when you really think about it, all this horrible stuff that happened in the show, like this slaughter and, you know, people, people getting just psychologically and just, just, you know, people who aren't being slaughtered, being just traumatized, like, you know, all this, basically, it was because they basically effectively resurrected Kamen Rider, like, you know, the first Kuga, he, pretty much it. You know, the first Linto Kuga basically is Hongo Takeshi. He is Rider 1. And Grongi basically, they are remnants of Shocker. The sort of ancient battle that went went in, you know, in human prehistory, it was basically the show, the original show. It was basically Kamen Rider. It was basically Hongo's fight against the against this against this horrible menace that, that's what it kind of is, and you know they brought it back, and now it's ki- now they're now people are dying left and right, and you know that's a terrible thing that's happening. But it also, uh, but it also it's also pretty. It's but it's not just like a gigantic. It's not just like a massive piss take on Common Rider either, because it you know it's still a Common Rider show. So it still does portray some of the parts. So it does portray the you know the humanity. And you know the hope and the hero, the heroism that inherently Camarado represents. And the other part is that you know, you know the Grongi 
have, while they don't, they're not authority anymore, not any sort of recognizable authority symbol, they are still, uh, they are still like, they are still bigger than Kuga is. They, it's still at first, it's still, you know, it still follows the same idea of, of a lone hero fighting against impossible odds, fight, you know, off, that often tires them out, as seen in Kuga. Because, you know, uh, the thing about Grongi is that they, they are not authority anymore, but they kind of moved, you know, the, they moved the symbol of authority to just symbol of human nature in of itself. Like, that's what Grongi now represents as, you know, the, the, the mean, the evil, the, you know, extremely selfish, violent, oppressive parts of human nature. Like, you know, the, just all the wildness of what, of, you know, the wild, the wild and, uh, evil that human can, the human animal can kind of be. That's what Grongis have basically, uh, that's what Grongis basically are. And that's what Grongis kind of also using their, uh, influence of violence, using their, you know, you, using their powers are, you know, in the show, that's what they kind of are doing. They are, you know, they're just doing the things they do because, you know, that's just how, that's just how they think it's, that's just how they think things should be. It's, you know, who cares if people die? They can have their you know, bloodshed and killing. It's, it's still kind of, it's, you know, it's selfish. It reflects, it still kind of reflects what common Rider villains are because, you know, because, you know, the sort of corrupt authority systems, systems, the corrupt society, they are, you know, they are born from, you know, the evil, the, you know, selfishness of humanity, like, you know, they, you know, the greed, greed and laziness and all that, your prejudice, it's, it is born from human authority and it is, not human authority, it is from born from human nature and, it start it dwell and it resulted in this sort of corrupt authority. So it kind of still follows the idea of what shocker is, but kind of doesn't in a way. If you understand what I mean, yeah, it, it does make a distinction. Um, and I would even suggest, and you can disagree if you want, um, that yeah. like um, Godai's presence and like what he does with the same power. Um, is that he makes the right choice. So uh, an authority, you know, authority structures aren't inherently corrupt, but they're open to corruption, and when they are corrupt, that's when they become oppressive and harmful to people. And, you know, yeah. that is for what we should be watchful. But the power coalesced in uh, Godai himself as he's transforming, um, like, could be used in that same destructive manner, but it's for the good. And uh, Yes, exactly. So, and I, I haven't seen all of it, but I can, I get the sense, and, and I trust, uh, you know, by people's responses that I've heard to Kuga, and by, um, like, what a good guy Godai is, that he's, he sticks, <laughs> he sticks with it, and, yeah. and does the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you made sense of what I, you made sense of the things I just said, that's great. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, that's the thing about, uh, that's the thing about Kuga, so it's so it's kind of fun. So it's kind of funny then that after Kuga, you immediately got Agito, and 
I I still kind of think that Akito's main job was basically then you know if school got deconstructed common rider by you know making by you know changing a lot of its dynamics and putting like real life perspective of how horrible Shocker demands the killings that Shocker does would be in real life they Agito basically just just started deconstructing that you know where you know it you know in in Agito authority is the are the villains again that's you know police now the police are not helpful they are not in positive light anymore they are you know police they are pretty they are petty they are pretty um, they are almost useless at some points and you know they even means even just you know you, if so, one police started killing people for all his own selfish reasons like in Akito they didn't put any sort of positive light on authority or you know hell the villain you know the overlord of darkness he was you know he was the creator of man he was god that's like as that's like the ultimate authority and that is our villain like you know like you know it's kind of so you know agito kind of just changes so it's like yeah that's good that's good but you know screw authority man they still suck that's and I think that in some ways is really great. I think that's really fantastic. In in some ways because in some ways because you know after Kuga I wouldn't have imagined Kamen Rider to continue, you know, in the footsteps of what Kuga what footsteps of what in the you know following the footsteps of Kuga I wouldn't have imagined Kamen Rider to continue as a franchise as it is now if it isn't if it had if the show that followed Kuga wasn't. Agito, because you know Agito did make pretty much make sure that you know Common Rider couldn't can still work work can still you know work. Common Rider isn't you know a bad resurrecting Common Rider isn't a bad thing. Violence against authority is still pre, is still you know pretty justified, and you know that's where we kind of get to the you know revenge part of you know. Of superheroes and common rider, you know, because yeah, I kind of want to get into that as well because, uh, yeah, there's the thing about V3. I I trust you've seen V3. Uh, a portion, a good portion of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know the backstory also, so right, right, of V3 of Kasamichiro. Yeah, I yeah. will become and a demon. The thing about, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Although, it's kind of where I kind of had to point out that, you know, before I say anything about V3, I have to also point out that uh, the concept of revenge in superheroes is also that, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, because as I said, the heroes, the hero, the, because be, the heroes that common Riders are being basically, you know, the victims' heroes who fight against these horrible horrible oppressive dominations uh, dominations perpetuated by these evil authority systems and figures so when you have the the the, the so you have an imbalance have like the that setup like that uh, yeah yeah uh, revenge isn't really that like yeah sure there's you know in some stories like in martial in wuxia stories uh, revenge it's always kind of ambiguous like especially if it's Buddhist 
narratives, those sort of stories that follow follow the Buddhist philosophies. You know, revenge is always a bad thing, but I think that because of the setup that Common Rider the Common Rider has in there, it's you know it's pretty justified to have revenge against you know a horrible authority system, a horrible organization than it is, because the villains are not really individuals. They are not, it's not like the Moby Dick situation where, you know, Captain Ahab could, you know, it's not the Mo, it's not where Captain Ahab is just obsessed on this one thing, but doesn't see the bigger picture. No, the bigger picture is the fact that there exists this horrible Nazi, this neo-Nazi government, shadow government thing that wants to kill us. And if we don't stop it, nothing will. So, you know, and, and, you know, that thing just killed my parents. They killed my family and friends. So, you know, having revenge against, you know, having revenge against this sort of evil organization, it's, it's not the same thing. It, it's not, it's, you know, it's justified at that point, I think. You know, you know, some people always argue about when is, ju- when is revenge justified or not. I think when it's against, you know, the sort of, Thing that just is that fundamentally isn't an individual is that is this you know large group this system then it's you know yeah go punch scissors jaguar go <laughs> punch him go punch him in the face and see that he bleeds. that's an interesting uh, that's yeah. an interesting perspective I've never heard that um, yeah. opinion yeah, yeah, yeah. on, on and that's where revenge. I went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I feel. Com- that's how I feel, at least. You know, when it comes to *Comet Rider*, how it differs from like, you know, how it is, how the revenge in *Comet Rider* isn't the same as revenge as you know, you know, in other sort of stories. And the other, the one thing also is that V3 kind of does also subtly deal with the subject of revenge. People don't really talk about it as much, but. I think it's kind of important to note that we that in V3 it what they kind of also said that you know you know you you know you can't you know revenge you can't just be motivated by personal grudge or not you know personal grudge that's just focused on you know a singular thing it ha- you know you have to consider the bigger picture here like in V3, you know, V3 just threw himself to become common Rider, but, you know, becoming common Rider means a lifelong dedication, and, you know, we can't trust V3 just to be, just to become, we can't trust Kazami Shiro just to be common Rider, you know, what if he's on the ass, you know, he got the powers to have his revenge on Caesar's Jaguar, what then? And, you know, it's important to realize that, you know, you know, you kind of have to also realize that you are gonna fight this Thing bigger than you are, and you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of just rambling here. I'm not sure if I'm completely clear. So the, so basically, uh, you, you, I mean, you uh, were trying to get at the point of how um, V3 does deal with the idea of revenge responsibly, maybe. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically, yeah, actually, essentially, it's like that, it, you know, you know, although V3, you know, V3, I think, isn't just, isn't just basically about revenge, so much as it is about, you know, preventing uh, every, 
people from has facing the same fate as we three has, as Kazami Shiro has. I think that's the kind of the key point, and it isn't just about a personal grudge. Although, as I said, it is really justified to have revenge against Destron, which is this oppressive form. But not, I'm, I'm just kind of muddling the issue. You can cut this out or whatever. But uh, and the other thing is that it kind of, and then you get, you know, it isn't just about we three himself. It also the idea of revenge. It also perpetuates in the character of Rider Man in Yuki Joji. Like, he started, he is, you know, he started, he became Rider Man basically solely just to get back at, just to get back at martial armor. Nothing else, basically. Like, he doesn't consider the bigger picture. He just wants to fight, he just wants to kill martial darkness, or just get, just get or at the very least get him down a notch like he doesn't care and he doesn't really care about anything else and you know gradually in the sh- gradually in the show he starts to learn that you know just chasing this personal grudge just just fighting because you ju- just fighting because you just want to have revenge on this one guy is not going to help because you have to consider that there are other people suffering as well. And you have to also, you know, you shouldn't just use the powers that you have to just fight, to just fight your personal crusade. You have to also, you know, like the thing about Japanese Spider-Man, you have to weep for others. You have to protect the dreams and hopes for others. You have to be the hero as well. You And not just focus on revenge not to focus on this blind chase for revenge and you know as it you know as the show continue as the show goes on rider man you know not just speak not just speak not just from v3's warnings but also from like the just you know this narrative as what he starts to learn about the nature of destron starts to kind of see how you know just how horrible destron actually is how kind of you know how just how just pointless it is to just fight, fight for the sake of just having, you know, having some person, just have for the sake of a per, of a personal grudge. But you know, when you know, uh, well, where was I? My my mind's going blank. <laughs> I, I think I think you're saying that, um, like in his character arc, he goes from being like single-minded. To having purpose and recognizing that he needs to look beyond himself and his pain to do to do more than yeah, that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Even even though his uh, his anger is pointed at the uh, you know the focal point, the face, uh, martial armor, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that it's really all of Destron that is an issue, and and he goes from caring about just the singular to the to the whole entity, which is actually like the oppressive machine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, wait, you know, and that's, I think, what We Three is about. And, you know, at the end of We Three, uh, the, the, you know, when Rider Man gets finally being Christianed as a common rider, it wasn't when he finally defeats Martial Armor. It was, you know, Martial Armor, he, he lives on. Uh, before V3, of course, you know, destroys him. But, you know, but, you know, Rider Man lets him go. Because why? Because Destron is threatening to do something much, you know, bigger. It, you know, it's 
he restaurant is planning to ra- launch a rocket that will decimate like millions of people, and Rider-Man has to stop that. And you know, he and while stopping it, he sacrifices himself. You know, he saves uh, he puts himself before others, and he saves people. He ignores his own, you know, personal pettiness. He ignores. He doesn't follow. He does. He stops following his own single-minded objective and just and just you know does something for the sake of others. That's the and that's when he gets to co- be called common writer. That's essentially it, really. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I, I'm <laughs> as much as I have my hang-ups about Rider Man because of uh, what happened with him versus what happened with Tackle. Um, it sounds like a really yeah. cool story, and like if you look at it uh, as an individual show, um, and in its time or you know in its narrow yeah. context, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like it's awesome. Um, it's just still kind of irritating because of what <laughs> happened later. Yeah, I think I think that is the kind of the problem with Common Rider right now. I think one of the major problems is you know similar to Doctor Who, like Doctor Who has this like okay recent like in you know recent seasons we have basically you know kind of pushed more and more the idea that yes, time wars can regenerate into a woman and into any race. And you know, we just recently had one of the major antagonists, major time lord antagonists as, you know, a woman this time around. So, you know, it's a possibility in Doctor Who, but you know, in Common Rider it's also a possibility but it's also the thing that uh basically that if they're gonna tell a story that's about, you know, wick heroes that are victims, you know, that fighting against oppression or fighting against things that are bigger than they are, you kind of need to start considering, you know, maybe you should add a woman writer, maybe some, you know, maybe even like, you know, okay, Japan doesn't have many, you know, doesn't have the same notion of ethnicities as as like America does, but, you know, maybe like a Chinese writer or a Korean writer, I knew. You know, have other things than just the default, than just what we've had for the last 40 or so years. I think it's important by now for Kamen Rider to realize that at this point, we kind of, if we want to continue telling a story of, of Kamen Rider, this hero mutilated by the world, but try, but does his best to better it and you know fighting against impossible odds you kind of have to start realizing that you know you have to kind of put you know put women put you know you know these put these marginalized groups in the role of common rider i think which you know doctor who has to do the same thing too you know it has for the past 12 incarnations been you know a white male white male it has been a white man, even though it is, it, even though it is a, still a story about you know fighting against fighting against oppression and fighting against all that. So you know, it's just you know basic universality for the story. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think um, an interesting angle to take, and I, I'm not sure Toei would want to do this, um, is kind of like yeah. that. Uh, you remember that Gokaiger episode with uh, Yelishito and, um, like, the Gokaigers were dealing with him and, uh, like, I don't know. It was almost like yeah, talking yeah, about xenophobia, you know, in that episode. And it, Yeah, it kind of was, actually. And, like, that was really interesting, and I was thinking... <laughs> I I don't know a lot of it, but I, I'm I've heard just little bits that like Korea or I didn't, I would assume South Korea and Japan. There's like a lot of uh, bad blood between them, and yeah, and I think it would be interesting um, to put Common Rider in the place of an outsider by, like you said, maybe having a um, a Korean Common uh, Rider in Japan. Um, yeah. like that could. You know they're already a marginalized person, so or you know they're they don't fit completely into the culture, so that would add a a, a layer to the alienation of being this lone fighter, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, although I personally have kind of started to become really cynical towards you know Toei ever being able to do that in at least the next decade or so because. Well, maybe not the next decade, but in a long time. They're not going to really stop doing what they're doing with the Neo Heisei anytime soon, I don't think. I hope that they do, but, you know, you know, we just got, what, we just got Gaim, and, you know, <laughs> Gaim, we, yeah, that's, uh, oh dear, and even be actually, even before Gaim, you know, we got, you know, we got Koichi Sakamoto's antics to deal with. And, okay, yeah. We are, uh, female writer maybe sometime in the future? Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'd see a, a female Japanese, uh, writer before we'd see anybody else, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. But at this point, I don't even. I, at this point, honestly, you know, you know, if you know, you don't even need to make it a main writer. Just make it a writer in the show. A good one. Just yeah, a good one too. Competently done. Like you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, okay, you know, people kind of, you know, people kind of ignore Mage, but you know, Mage, common writer Mage, you know, Mayu, he was, she was a good step in the right direction. You know, she wa- you know, she had a concrete backstory that wasn't the alien slime one that, you know, in Forza, Nadeshiko <laughs> had, or... Had, or uh, yeah. It's not, it's not funny, but it's, uh, like, just the disparity between the two of them, and, and yeah. it's ridiculous. And it just, yeah, and the disparity, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, you know, she has a backstory, uh, she has a motivation, a clear motivation. In fact, it's basically she. It's basically we three. It's basically we three's backstory and we three's kind of motivation as well. You know, and you know, you got these all the things done. But you know, I think at the time when she showed up in Wizard, they kind of are starting to, you know, they they kind of kind of starting to kind of wrap things up and they don't really have much things to left for mates to do other than fight Medusa and stuff. So, you know, it's step in the right direction but not exactly yet. Still. And then, of course, after, 
you know, after Mage, we thought, okay, that was a good baby step. Maybe in Gaim we'll have, oh, yeah, right, Malika. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I don't even, I didn't want to say anything about Malika right now. Uh, honestly, it's just, it's so upsetting, I, and I, 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 yeah, I only bad yeah. thoughts are springing to mind, so, <laughs> definitely not what I wanted yeah, to say. It's, yeah, yeah, that, that was, oh, oh, God, what, and, you know, just, uh, although about Gaim, I will say one thing about Gaim, though, is that, um, uh, uh, this is, I'm kind of, Getting a, I'm kind of getting a little sidetracked about this, but uh, I, it uh, has to do with Common Rider Willen still. Uh, it's that uh, before watching Gaim, I was basically vehemently against the idea that you know, that Shocker being, you know, as you know, great leader being some sort of space alien, because that was always kind of a thing in uh, some of the Showa era shows that maybe the great leader is probably of alien origin. Some I think some spin-off materials do kind of suggest that as well, but yeah, I, I never felt really comfortable with that because if it's aliens, then it's kind of just kind of ruins the idea that 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 shocker has anything to do with you know innate nature of humanity, and then it just becomes something else, and it, that something else isn't as interesting. Right. But you know, then but watching Gaim, actually, I thought actually. If they do, if, you know, Helheim and Sagara, they are basically Shocker. That's, they are basically sh- what Shocker is, but, and they are space aliens, but they're not space aliens in the sense that they are like alien invaders. They're like, they're like a four, they're like this sort of really, they're like just, they're basically what Shocker is, but elevated to an even higher plane of, you know, where it goes from just humanity to just sentient life overall. And, you know, okay, if they can do a space alien shocker in the same way as Helheim does, where Helheim is this sort of, you know, it's this nasty thing that, you know, justifies itself as being somehow, you know, the betterment for, you know, all sentient life and all that. But in, but in itself, you know, it manipulates, it plans, it con- it's... You know, it spurs up, hum- it intentionally spurs up with, you know, human conflict or, and, you know, causes all these horrible things to happen, brings out the, you know, the nasty side of humanity, you know, with the, you know, with the battle, be- be- the battle between the overlords and the battle between humans themselves for, you know, for the, for this golden fruit and their own infightings after that. And, in between that, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, space alien shocker is accomplishable if you do it like Helheim, that's, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, yeah, I would definitely buy it, because you're right, the the idea of um, scaling it to just sentience in general and making it, you know, cosmic and beyond humanity um, works, because there's that commonality yeah. of you know, sentient beings want and desire things and can go, choose to go about going about getting those things in different yeah, yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's also, yeah, and now that I mention about this sort of thing, masking itself with good intentions, that's, you know, shocker, that's 
also reminds me of a thing on the comment. There was this. Uh, I don't think many people know this. I think I, I've brought this to attention some while ago uh, before. But there exists basically this common uh, writer novelization, novelization of the original series. In fact, and the uh, the premise of that is basically what if there really was just a one rider. What if Hiroshi Fujioka didn't have the motorcycle accident that caused them to create Rider 2 as a response? What if that just didn't happen and Kamen Rider really was just consistently the one guy? It kind of went from that and then it kind of started to expand on Kamen Rider, the show, as a whole. And, you know, it started using many of the ideas from various Kamen Rider you know, material. Uh, for example, you know, for example, is this, uh, is this official? Before you continue, yeah, this is official. It's oh, wow. it's official. It came out in two thousand two, huh. around the time when Ag- I think it was around the time when either when Agita was airing or finishing. Basically, around pretty near the time when Kamen Rider was, you know, you know, when Kamen Rider was resur- was getting resurrected. It came around that time, is- which was also the time when. What what uh, continue? What oh, is saying. that that um, Common Rider like nineteen seventy two to to whatever? Because I've seen that like on Amiyama. Yeah, it was nineteen nineteen seventy one to nineteen seventy three. That's the novel's name. That's the novel's name. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It Common Rider nineteen seventy one to nineteen seventy three. It's basically split into these three sections. One set in the nineteen seventy one, one set nineteen seventy three. You know, like, right? It's and basically how the show went and you know that's that's that that's the novel and it i think it came around at the same time as common rider spirits also so apparently in 2002 and 2001 were the, you know the prime time when common they really wanted to experiment with common rider i guess but i kind of wish they come go back to that but i digress so about the common rider mo- the novel this novel in the no- in here like it, like in the comic, they go into the social back. They kind of go into the social anxieties of 1970, uh, 1971. Because if you because if you read up on Japan during 1971, it was a you know it was a pretty uncomfortable time as there were actually a lot of you know political and environmental concerns, environmental concerns mainly from you know the industrialization that had ha- that is happening as that is happening, and that industrialization, industrialization is causing, you know, more pollution, air and water pollution, and that started to concern people, you know, economic problems, you know, and there were, you know, student revol- revolts and all that sort of stuff, so it was a really uncomfortable time, and the novel, I think, pretty explicitly mentions many of the, you know, many of the incidents that happened during that time. Uh, and you know it so basically it gets more i think it gets more into the comic it, no 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 the, it gets more into the time period than the even the comic did i believe so at least that's how i that's how i've read it that's how i've read like they like hongo like hongo in this version hongo takeshi's backstory is that his parents were killed during a during a racial revolt, actually, during a racial revolt, huh. I think revolving around the Kore- native Koreans oh, wow. in Japan, 
and you know they also mention many of the events in many of the events in the in Japanese history of that time. But the main thing I the, the main thing I want to mention is that in that in that book, uh, Shocker are Shocker are kind of are. In that book, Shocker are not really the sort of shadow organization as we think, as you know, as portrayed in the TV show. In fact, they are more—they are basically more or less what Black Ghost was. Uh, and their thing in the in the book was that they have actually been controlling various aspects of human history for uh, for a long, long time, and for and they have actually. Uh, for example, they have stopped. Uh, hum- they have saved humanity from near total nuclear extinction. Uh, you know the Cuban Missile Crisis. They actually interfered in that. Whoa! That's according to the novel. That's crazy. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but for what purpose? Because I yeah, know, yeah, that... I know in the manga that um, uh, Ichimonji got involved be- with Shocker because he wanted to make the world a better place, and he got hit up by one of the recruiters and joined them because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about Shocker is in that novel they position them. What they basically are is the necessary evil. They basically want to ensure survival of humanity at the cost of men of at the cost of you know at the cost of the few. You know, basically they sacrifice. They have to. They want to sacrifice people. Just to keep humanity running, running smooth, humanity, the system running smoothly. They, keep, you know, assassinations and all that. Uh, cyborg, you know, Hongo Takeshi was one the, was the victim of that. They, he was the victim of that. You know, the goal that Shocker ultimately wants. And uh, I, in the novel, it was a little complicated what they wanted to ultimately do. But I think it was actually kind of similar. Okay, if you watched Agito, I think it's actually kind of like that. Uh, essentially, they, I think, it the shocker's thing is that they want to basically stop humanity from you know from going on from from going on as it from evolving because they fear that one day humanity will evolve into a form that they, that is uncontrollable and you know use it and. But I think it was by use by turning people into cyborgs they can stop that. They want humanity to remain static, and doing that requires you know requires killing and killing and turning and brainwashing many people to do it. But you know for the greater good they they for the greater good that is that what they just that's what they want to do that's what how they justify it basically. Wow, and the thing, and the thing that common writer here is that it, and here that common writer is, is that Hongo Takeshi. I th- let me remember how it how the quote went, but basically, uh, the thing that common writer that come at the end, common writer to that says that he his mission will always be to protect the souls, the all human souls. From ever suffering, that's he from. You know, he wants to sit. He wants to protect. He wants to ensure that the that the world he lives in requires no requires that we don't sacrifice the few. We don't need sacrifices. That hum, 
that you know nobody gets oppressed, nobody needs to suffer for some sort of way greater good. That's what common writer is positioned in this novel. So basically, what I've been saying, you know, about common writer being fighting for the little guys, fighting for the victims, and uh, and you know, and I think at the end of the novel, it's it's kind of also implied, it's implied, it's also implied that in the novel, the reader himself actually becomes a new common writer like in the in the there's an epilogue that's like set in the current times where there's a new common writer that isn't Hango Takeshi but actually referred with this in the second person pronoun it's referred to as you which basically implies that you know what i get out of it was implying that you know you know the fight Hango's fight may be over but the fight still goes on we still have problems in the world we, there is still pro, there is still corruption. There is still, you know, hum, there is still human human indecency, and we need to take action. We need to go. We need to fight the power, and we need to fight the system. And says that no more. We cannot allow more suffering in this world. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Now, if only uh, we get somebody to translate that. <laughs> I'm actually planning to buy that book, so you know. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that's. Do you have more to say? Because I'm, uh, I'm kind of out of time. <laughs> I actually ran out of things to say. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that's about all I can think of right now. Okay. So yeah, basic gist: common writer, victim's hero, big fights against the big man, and. You know, Kamen Rider, super cool, karate buckman on motorcycles, you should totally watch. <laughs> That's all. That's right. Okay, um, let's see, to close up, do you have, um, hold on, let me make sure I'm doing this right. <clears throat> yeah, I am. Okay, do you have, uh, I guess, please tell the listeners where they can find you all over the net. Alright, so, uh, I have a Tumblr page on... Uh, I have a Tumblr page called Cannibal Saracenian. That's a cannibal that has, you know, space between. Cannibal Saracenian at dot tumblr dot com. And I'm also, I also have an art blog called Saraceniods dot tumblr dot com. So, you know, if you're ever interested, you can drop by and see, you can drop by and see if you like it or not. And even if you don't like it, eh, please comment so and why. I, feed on criticism but yeah if you want to see me rambling in a slightly more coherent manner about common writer and all sorts of things you can find me on my tumblr page i also have a twitter twitter.com slash c um okay that sounds good 